I feel like that someone here needs to hear this. Uh, Wednesday night I was here and I couldn't stand up through the whole worship service. I have, I'd gone to the, uh, to the doctor Monday or Tuesday and they x-rayed my, my, my neck, shoulder, and I have some bone spurs. They showed me the, the, the x-rays. I have bone spurs on my spine that are they're just, they don't look too good. But anyway, I, I've been in a great amount of pain for about a month now been on strong pain medicine Wednesday night uh, Sister Christine she recognized my, my pain and my anguish, anguish and came over and asked me would I like for someone to pray for me so I said yes sure so they came over somebody laid hands on me and prayed for me and from, from that point gradually started getting better I haven't taken any medicine for it I was able to stand up all morning this morning through the worship service. I, I still have a little bit of pain, but the Lord has touched me, and he's taken this away from me. I am doing so much better, and I give all the glory to God and all the praise to my God. Oh, let's give our praise to God right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Do not minimize. Yes. Praise God. We're going to join you in prayer for that. You just cry out to the Lord. Let's pray for this need right now in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood right now, Jesus. I plead the blood today, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We plead your blood, Lord Jesus, right now. You see the situation, God. Know what's going on right now. In the name of Jesus. Your power, Lord Jesus. Your power, your presence, God. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Just continue to pray right now. Just continue to pray. Jesus. Oh, <laughs> 
Let's lift our hands and thank God for hearing us right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the Word of God, you'll find travail, intercession to be very much a part of the ministry all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The impact of a time in travail cannot be measured. Some things only eternity will reveal. I think about Abraham when he was praying for his nephew Lot in the city of Sodom, Scripture said. The others went their way, but Abraham stayed and prayed. Didn't say prayed, but we know that's what he did. He petitioned the Lord. He asked the Lord if he would spare that city and if there were 50. And he went all the way down to 10, and God said he would. If there was even 1% or a half a percent, Sad to say, it wasn't, there wasn't that percentage for that city, and it was lost. When Moses came down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments in his hand, and he found out what the children of Israel were doing, they were worshiping the golden calf. It's, it's a whole lot more than that. It was actually a sensual orgy that they were prostituting themselves with and God was very angry with it and he was going to kill them. Moses said, please don't. We often read just that part that says that Moses said, uh, God said, Moses, don't get in my face. Don't, don't get in my way. Uh, I'm going to destroy them. I'll raise up another people after you. And uh, Moses stayed and prayed and said, God, you don't want to do this. Well, how long did he stay there? One place it said he was there 40 days. He said, I was up on the mountain 40 days praying for you that God would be merciful. And so we know that 
It's effective. Part of what was done here today uh, ties into this lesson that we're dealing with today when it comes to talking about agreement in prayer. We talked about holy hearts last Sunday. Let's talk about holy heads today. Holy heads. If, if God can get through our thinking and get our thinking right, we are in for a faith-building session, a faith-building life. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Say, Pastor, what should I read? What should I watch? What should I listen to? Philippians 4 and 8. That answers a whole lot, doesn't it? You, you just run it all by that. Just run all your stuff by that. Run your music, run your, your lyrics, run your reading, run your watching. Run it all by Philippians 4 and 8. Because he said, if after you've... You've heard about what whatsoever things are just and pure and, and lovely and good report. If you found any of that, then what you need to qualify it with is if there's any virtue. You may say, well, it's lovely. That's why I was looking at it. You say, well, there's nothing wrong with it. That's why I was dealing with it. He said, if there be any virtue or it adds any value to you, or if there is any praise, then think on these things. You say, why does he say think on them? Because our thoughts are going to come from what we deal with. What we watch, what we read, what we listen to. That's where our thoughts come from. What we see. Can I get a witness in the house? The children of Israel came out of Egyptian bondage and it was a miraculous delivery that God delivered them, brought them out, brought them through just tremendous things and their experience and delivered them from their enemies and at the wish of the people when they got to the land of promise, God said, I brought you to the land. Go in and possess it. The people got together and said, you know what? I think it would be a good idea if we sent in some spies. God allowed that, and they sent spies in. Moses said, I, I think it's a good idea. And so they sent 12 spies in, one from every tribe, and uh, 10 of those spies brought back an evil report. They all saw the same thing. They saw the land was good. They saw that it was a place that they could grow, they could settle in, they could prosper. But ten of them said, we, we just can't do it because we saw that there were some great big people over there. They were stronger than us. We saw the size of their cities, their walls. And, and you know, we just felt like grasshoppers in their sight. And so 10 men, just, just a microcosm of, of, of the, the whole group of people said, we can't do it. Two spies, Joshua and Caleb, it's amazing that we can't remember the 10, but we do remember the two. They came back with a good report. And they said, we're well able. God's given us the land. Let's, let's go in. Just look at the fruit that we brought back and, and just look what it, it's there. 
said, I tell you, we can do it. said, the land is exceedingly good, and, and, and we're convinced that Israel can possess it now. They encouraged them. They tried to encourage them to move forward. But the people were so upset with a good report that they took up stones and were trying to kill Joshua and Caleb. Now the twelve, twelve, all saw the same thing. They all viewed it with natural eyes. But in spite of all seeing the same things, ten of them saw something totally different than Joshua and Caleb. Ten of them only saw that it couldn't be done. Two of them saw that it could be done. The difference, we're talking about holy heads. Now, we, we get thoughts in our minds through our eyes. They saw. So how is it going to be that two people have a totally different concept How is it that two people have a totally different feeling about this land of promise? The difference is one was a natural reaction and the other was a holy mindset. So we ask the question, how can our minds be directed toward a perspective that will project God's promises rather than man's fears? I think of the scripture of Philippians 2 and 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That was what the apostle Paul writing to the Philippian church said, let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus. So we need to have a Christ-like mind. We need to have a mind that's touched with the Spirit of God. So how do we make adjustments to in our thinking that will honor God? I think if we change the input, the outcome will be different. What do they say about computers garbage in? Garbage out. Some people's all the time talking about all the bad stuff they find on computers. Well, I guess if you look in the wrong places, you'll get the wrong thing. If you click the wrong thing on the search, all the garbage starts coming. But if you don't go there, guess what? It don't come there. Hello? So, how do we trust the Word of God? When our emotions are sending us other signals. Well, we just simply always know that the Word of God's right. God said to the children of Israel, go in... I brought you here. I've directed you here. Here you are at Kadesh Barnea, and it's time to enter the promised land. Go. That's the word of God. The people said, you know, we ought to go see if we can. God already knew they could. <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> Why the discussion? Why the search? Why the spies? More on that tonight. So their minds, God had, had brought them out of Egypt, and now they were at the promised land, but their minds were still in captivity. They still had a slave mentality They had been slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years now. And while they were physically delivered, they were mentally captivated. Emotionally, spiritually, 
they were still slaves in Egypt. This is why that every time they ran into a situation that required faith, they recalled and they backed up. They regretted that they'd ever left Egypt. Remember when they came to a place that they needed water? They began to murmur. They began to grumble. They began to complain. And guess what they thought about? At least we had a graveyard in Egypt. Isn't that a wonderful mentality? We're arguing with Moses here. We're, we're, we're fussing at God. He's brought us. He's delivered us out of captivity. And we don't even have a burial plot. How many of you are worried, lost sleep about that? So here they sit. They've rejected the will of God. Now they sit on the edge of the promise, and their mindset has left them in a state of paralysis. Moses tried to show them in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 13. He said to the people, Fear ye not, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more. And it was that day that the Red Sea covered up that Egyptian army and the last time they saw them was floating on the water dead. Their enemy, what they feared was going to bring them back into captivity was now something they would not have to deal with anymore. But somehow they could not purge their mind. Somehow they could not get that transformation in their mind to where they were transformed in their thinking. Spiritual vision requires a spiritual transformation. Holiness in our head is a process of seeing the hand of God where before it was visible. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 2 said, Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I don't think the scripture here is talking to us about progressive will of God, but that it, the will of God is good, the will of God is acceptable, and the will of God is perfect. That's God's will. So one of the first evidences that of your mind being transformed is there is an acceleration of faith. Your faith grows with a transformed mind. When you think about the goodness of God, when you think about all that he's done for you, your faith grows. Faith allows us to have an understanding of the word of God so that we're not viewing it through this life and through our natural eyes alone. The enemy of our soul wants us to view everything through our aches and our pains. And he wants us to say, well, if that's true, why this? And if it's true, then why has this happened to you? And why is this going on? You know what? I realize two things. There's life and there's the Word of God. There's age and there's the faithfulness of the Word of God. Brother Keith, somebody say, you just getting old. You got them bone spurs just growing up in your back. That's old age. But the Word of God said, if a believer would lay hands on you, 
Come on. Come on. The enemy wants us to process everything through our body, through our natural, through everything. Look at the world. Look at all the trouble. Look at all that. Hey, why do you want to watch news 24 hours a day? Anybody been on there telling you just how wonderful things are? No, last time I heard news, it was how bad things are and how bad everybody's doing and how wrong it is. And it don't matter if they do it right, they're doing it wrong. (laughs) And you're trying to gather up your faith. Get out of that. Get back in the Word of God. Like Regina, get to listening to some gospel music and the Holy Ghost comes down. You can have a little church at home. You can have a whole lot of church at home. You can have it on the road, driving down the road in your car. I've heard many people talk about they had to just pull off the side of the road, get out of the car, make a lap around the car because they just began to feel so good about having a little talk with Jesus. Your mind transformed mind. I think about uh, the, the prophet Elisha. He was, he, he was just listening to God, and, and uh, God said, uh, Israel's enemy is going to be at a certain place today. And so he would just send a message to the king of Israel and said, don't go in such and such a place because the Syrian army is going to be at that spot. And... After a while, the Syrian king begins to call in his advisors. He said, we got a leak. Anybody heard a leak lately? He said, we got a leak in the camp. Somebody's getting news out of here, our plans, and telling the Israelite king where we're going. He said, I want to know who is leaking the news. And somebody finally says, well, there's an old prophet And God's talking to that prophet. And that prophet is telling the king. He said, well, let's go get the prophet. And so Elisha's servant is up the next morning and he's making breakfast. And uh, they wasn't having ham. They wasn't having bacon. Maybe it was like me. They, They were frying fish for breakfast. I don't know. Not catfish, I'm sure. But anyway... Now, y'all going to all get hungry on me here, so. You're already, what, an hour ahead, so you can't be hungry. We just changed time. I said, yeah, I'll tell my buddy that. So. Anyway, he's, he's up and he's making breakfast, and he looks out the curtain, and he says, Whoa, Elisha, we got company. And he looks on that side of the house, and he goes out the back, and he looks out the back, and everywhere he looks, they are surrounded by the Syrian army. And he says, Master, what are we going to do? And the prophet just said, Hey, chill, man. It's all right. Because they that are with us are more than you see out there. And about that time, the servant scratching his head and said, my master done lost his mind. I just looked out the window. I don't see anything but the enemy. And the prophet prayed, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And suddenly, the eyes of that servant opened up and he saw the angels of the Lord encamped round about them. And the angels of the Lord outnumbered all of the enemy. You say, well, did, did that army out there see that army? Scripture doesn't tell us that they saw them. But what we do know is they couldn't do anything to the prophet. They were just camped around about. Sometimes you you feel like, man, I'm surrounded by the enemy. 
I, I thought this week, all the junk that's going on, all this stuff, the rioting, the, uh, the, the attacks against our president, all this kind of stuff that's going on. The scripture said, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against it. The enemy's going to come. The attack's going to come. But what are we seeing? I think about the little boy. Uh, he had something wrong with him, and, and somewhere in his illness, he began to recognize angels. He began to see angels. There's an article about it. I read it a number of years ago. And, and he's, he just tells people, they're everywhere. He said, there's one there, there's one there. He had the ability to see the angels that were all around. Now, my mother was able to see angels. She said, one day I was in the pulpit ministering like this, and she said, there were two great big angels standing beside me in the pulpit. I didn't see them. But one thing I know, the Scripture said, the angels of the Lord encamp round about those that fear him. So if we're trusting in the Lord, we know that we got more for us than are against us. Because one night God took one angel and he sent it into the enemy's camp and one angel destroyed 185,000 of the enemies in one night. So if I've got one angel, that's enough. If he thinks I need two, that's enough. If he, needs, he thinks I need 20, whatever God thinks I need, he will supply. Amen? I just got that kind of mindset. I just believe that way. I, I've already lived through my time in the war. I, I saw the Lord protect me. I saw him. When, I, when I, a rocket propelled grenade hit the ground here, I'm standing here, and the people that I was the medic for were standing over here. All four of those got wounded. I didn't get a scratch. All I can say is somehow the Lord just encapsulated me. Now, my brother got wounded, but he got he got spared. He got home. He got recovered. He was sent to Korea to recover, and he got wounded again there. But here he is in the house of the Lord. So one way or another, God's going to see us through. I'm just confident in the Lord. So here's this enemy group. They're out there. They're surrounded, the children of Israel are surrounded the prophet and his servant, and uh, the prophet just prays a simple prayer, Lord, blind them. And then he goes out there and he said, Hey, guys, y'all need some direction? Y'all come with me. He leads them right into the Israeli camp, and the king says, Well, should we kill them? He said, No. If you captured somebody in war, would you slaughter them? He said, no. He said, spread a banquet before them. Feed them. And the scripture says, when they got done eating, they went home and they never invaded the land again. It's interesting that God opened one man's eyes and closed another's. Our God's able. A holy mindset produces confidence and action. God wants to decrease our misconceptions and increase our expectations. So how can we increase our faith through spiritual transformation? 
Anybody want to increase your faith? Anybody want your faith to grow? So what can I do to make sure that I'm, I'm looking at every situation in life through the eyes of God's purpose? That's a, that's a key concept, God's purpose. So often we fill our life with our purpose and we want God to do many things for us. But when was the last time that we sought His will? Remember the model prayer that He taught us to pray was, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. So we allow God to work. We must know what God wants to accomplish heard Brother Tenney say a number of years ago, we need to find out what God's doing and get us a surfboard and catch the wave and go with God. That's how we see great things accomplished. A spiritual principle that runs through the Word of God is one of the power of agreement. Agreement activates the supernatural world. The scripture often talks about what one can do and then what two can do. In Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verse 6, and in Matthew chapter 18, Verse 16, both of them talk about how that what one could do is exponentially multiplied when they come into agreement. Sister Sandra had a need. She called for us to come into agreement in prayer about that need. He said, one can chase a thousand, but two can chase ten thousand. That's the power of agreement. Jesus said that if any two will come together in agreement, touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. He said, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there will I be in the midst of them. The power of agreement. You say, well, Joshua, Joshua and Caleb, they just, they just simply lost the whole deal, didn't they? No. The ten lost, and Joshua and Caleb won. You don't have to be the majority. You just got to be in agreement with God. I said, you just got to be in agreement with the will of God. And so Joshua and Caleb were in agreement with the will of God, and it produced results in their life. Henry Ford is accredited with inventing the automobile, but he is really more responsible for the mass production of the automobile than the invention of it because he learned the power of people working together. And so his goal was to put everybody in a Model T. Was it a Model T or Model A? You had one of them? Model A, huh? That was one we made a convertible out of. When I was a little boy, I helped Brother Carroll make a convertible. He took a double-bit axe and a tree and a rope and pulled the top off. Made a convertible out of a Model A. The power of working together. What, what one can do is multiplied when they come into agreement with another. There, there's, there's much to be said about the mindset of a champion. We hear the accomplishments of, of people all the time that do great things. We want to know what made them think like that. Why did, how did they accomplish what they did? 
in the country of Madagascar, you'll find a church in the midst of powerful revival. In addition, you'll see a clear contrast between the people that go to church and the people that are in the country in general. Because in that country, it's a social economic level where it's noticeably poor. It's a sad situation. Missionary Chris Richardson, when he went there, he found the people with a mentality that they were just poor and they were poor thinkers. They were thinking themselves continually poor. So he began to convince them that they were not poor, they were blessed. When they came into the church of the living God, they became people who were blessed. So he began to teach them to instead of talking about how poor they were, he began to tell them, you're blessed, you're a child of God. And it wasn't long until their entire lifestyle took on the mentality. I see it happen continually in the church of the living God today. People think, well, you have to be rich to go to that church. No, but thank God when you get connected to the blessings of God, wonderful things happen in the life of a believer. I have visited people where you could walk in their door whether you opened it or not. And then they got in church and you had to open the door because they put screens where there were no screens. They put glass where there was no glass. It was a change in the mentality because they realized the blessing of God. Joshua and Caleb believed. They believed that God would live up to his promises. So 40 years later, Caleb said, I want my mountain. God promised me this mountain when I visited this country 40 years ago. And he said, I'm 85, but I'm well able to take it now. God not only blessed him to be able to live that 40 years, he not only blessed him to still have the faith to believe that he could receive that promise, he blessed him with a body that still could take that promise. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Faith produced from a holy mindset. We need holy minds. We need minds that are focused on the right things. We need minds that God can build the principles of his word in. We need a holy mind that will believe whatever God says he will do. How do you get that? Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 said, Do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed, progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and his purpose for you. A transformed mind. Do you know that your thinking is the incubator for what you say? Your thinking produces your speech. We need a holy mind so that we can say holy things. Don't be guilty of saying, oh, I don't know why I said that. 
I don't know where that came from. Or then we blame it on our ancestry. You know, that's, that's just the way the Irish are. That's just the Cajun in me or whatever we choose to blame it on. Certainly don't blame it on the devil because that would make you too close kin. Let's get a holy mind. Let's change our input so that we can change the output. Change what's going in so that you can change what's going out. If you can win the battle of your mind, you'll win the battle of the tongue. Scripture said, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 2, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. The word of their testimony. Next slide. They overcame him by the word. What are you testifying? What are you confessing when you talk to people? What are you saying? I like what Sister Shirley said this morning when I asked her how it was going. She refused to confess anything that might be wrong. She chose her words well. I didn't have it in mind. I I was just digging to see if she was going to talk about how bad she hurt or how bad she felt. But she refused to go there. And I thought, what a wonderful way to testify. Oh, we're getting close to home. Let's move on. When we get a holy mindset, it, 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 it begins to talk about the miraculous things. When we get a holy mindset, it gives us the power to remember the things of God. I go back to the course I referred to earlier. When I think about the goodness of the Lord. And I think about all that he's done for me. My soul cries out, hallelujah. And my faith takes a step higher. I said my faith takes a step higher. When I think about the goodness of the Lord. And I think about all that he's done for me. And so if I want my faith to grow, then I have to get my thinking to stop thinking. What did I say? I got to have something besides stinking thinking. I want the kind of thinking that elevates and causes me to remember the word of the Lord. Let's stand together. When Jesus found his disciples after the resurrection, they didn't know where he was. So Peter said, I tell you what, guys, I'm going fishing. I don't know about this stuff Jesus called us to do. He's gone. My boat's still at the dock. I'm going fishing. They fished all night, didn't catch anything. And Jesus comes walking on the seashore in the morning and he says, got any fish? Somebody yells back. They don't know who it is. They just yell back to the guy on the shore and said, nope, we've been fishing all night, didn't catch nothing. He said, try the right side of the boat. They said, we fished all night, but nevertheless, that's your word. And they let down the net. They caught fish and fish and fish. And suddenly they realized there's only one person I know that can give advice like that. Because we fished every direction, everything. We tried everything and caught nothing. 
and suddenly our net's full, there can only be one, and that's Jesus. Why did Jesus come to them that night, and why did he give them such a miraculous catch? Because when he had dealt with Peter some time before, he said, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. I prayed for you that your faith fail not. Jesus came to strengthen their faith because if you keep the faith, your faith will keep you. A holy mind. Let's pray together. I pray today, God, for our minds. The enemy of our soul is throwing everything at us that he can. Every kind of thought, every kind of entertainment, everything to keep us polluted, contaminated, and distracted. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we could have a transformed mind that we would live up to Romans 12 and 2 to be transformed, knowing what your will is for our life, Jesus. Go with us, Lord, from this place, never from your presence. Bring us again at the appointed time. And everybody said amen. God bless you.